Rebellions are built on hope. And welcome to another episode of Radio Revenge Star Wars Podcast. I forgot to unmute myself as I started my intro, but that's okay. We're here on a cold Star Wars Saturday, at least for us down in Florida. It's cold. And for our guest who's up in Boston, it's even colder. He's not Oti, or he's as best uh, as we could to try to yes. place him. He's our friend, Tony Figueroa, Figueroa, one of the co-hosts of Films Not Included, which is Otis other movie podcast. So Tony, thanks for joining us for the first time here on Radio Rebellion. How are you doing today? Doing doing very good, very good. You know, um, long time listener, first time caller. So glad <laughs> to you, be here. You. No, no, we appreciate it. Uh, you reached out. We've been following each other on Twitter for a while. You reached out, I don't know, about four weeks ago or something. Hey, if you have an opening for, a, for an episode talking Andor, hit me up. We had someone that couldn't do it. Was supposed to be today, actually, Andrew from Outer Rim Reads. Unfortunately, he was supposed to be here last week. He got sick and couldn't make it. But we had an opening, got you in. So I'm glad you're here. Our friend Otis, I don't know, Italy or something. He said he's trying yeah, yeah. to work. He's in Italy. You know, he's a he's a globe trotter and he's <laughs> just around the world. Yeah, just like Andrew, going from planet to planet. Hopefully, hopefully he'll stay out of trouble. So yeah, we'll, hopefully we'll he doesn't get a six-month prison sentence that goes <laughs> to six years. Or whatever, yeah, and then gets trapped by some weird aliens with a spider web, which was yeah. a great thing. But we'll get to that in a minute. Tony, um, again, first time here. We we need to learn a little bit about you. So just give us real quick, kind of what is your Star Wars story? If you remember the first time that you watched it, and then how you became enthralled in this Star Wars universe that we all love. Uh, so yeah, I'm, I mean, Star Wars has been something that I feel has been in my life since I can remember thoughts being formed, <laughs> just as in like having seen it on TV as a little kid, not really knowing what I was watching. And then mm -hmm. later on, actually sitting down um, to watch them with, uh, you know, with the big hype of the prequels, um, mm -hmm. you know, I'm a, I'm an early nineties kid. So, you know, when that, that prequel hype started coming up it was like okay let's let's really dive into it I, I have a great star wars story as in my history that's that that's that first movie that my parents went to see as a date when oh, they started nice. dating um <laughs> in puerto rico you know in the late 70s that was like their first date movie that they went to was to go yeah. see star wars um so it's kind of something that's been in my life for a long time um like i said when the prequels came out i just started uh, really delving into the the history, you know, um, Attack of the Clones for the longest time has been mm -hmm. like something that's lived with me as <laughs> not necessarily my favorite Star Wars movie, but that Star Wars movie that really made me a fan. Yeah. Just being a little kid watching that movie the first time and just like my whole mind exploding. <laughs> and, you know, since then, I've just been uh, a lifelong Star Wars fan just in every way, shape and form great you know animated fan i am a great book fan comic book fan like just every medium that i can get my hands on for star wars i'm just i'm into it yeah yeah we we're just talking before we started about the high republic phase two the new book coming out next week 
Um, it's funny, not funny, but kind of changes the perspective we have on different Star Wars eras. Me being an 80s kid and kind of growing up with the original trilogy and going through all the hate that the prequels got, the more I've been doing this show and meeting younger folks, younger fans, is the love that they have for the prequels and also Attack of the Clones. A lot of people, like including myself, had it at the bottom of our list of favorites, but Attack of the Clones has a huge following now with everyone that grew up with the, with the prequels. So it's, that's great to know. Uh, and of course, film not included, this podcast that you do with our co-host here, Otti. Can you tell us a little bit about what that podcast is about? Where can people, I mean, at the end, you can tell us where people can find it. What do you guys do on that show? So it's really just a, a review and discussion podcast about movies, television, comic books, video games, a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, you know, for a Spanish uh, listening crowd, we do it all in Spanish, but, you know, mm -hmm. we try to we try to be open for for as many people as we can and talk about a little bit of everything. It ac actually started with um, The Last Jedi coming out. Okay. Um, that was the first episode we ever did. <laughs> Um, and that's where Oti, Oti just called me up and he was like, Hey man, we, we always talk about movies. Every time we go see a movie, we're just texting each other. We're calling each other and we're talking about that. Why don't we just record it? So <laughs> that's literally what we did. And we've been doing it, you know, since then we are literally as old as the last Jedi. <sighs> last Jedi, man. That's another one talking about <laughs> movies that kind of be a little bit devices, but it's great. Again, that Star Wars kind of pushed that into something not. 100% related to Star Wars, just all movies out there. But it started with Star Wars. All right, as we get ready to focus on our main topic, make sure if you're watching this live, thank you for being here. Make sure that you like this video, hit that thumbs up. You subscribe to our channel if it's your first time watching us. Thank you. And leave us a comment down below if you're listening to this later on the replay. Or, of course, if you're listening on the audio podcast when this drops later on the week, give us a rating, a review. Follow us on Twitter for as long as that place is still running. Uh, we just uh, signed up for a Hive account. Hive Social seems to be picking up Steam, so you can find it. And I'll put links at some place. And as always, make sure that you're helping out with the Amidala Initiative for Equality Texas and the National Network of Abortion Funds and the What Choice Fundraiser. And I can't forget about our home line. Again, we have another Puerto Rican here. Help for Puerto Rico. We always say for the hurricanes and everything that has happened over the past few years. And all those links that you see down there on the screen are also in the description of this video, along with some extra links also for the Amidala Initiative and the National Network of Abortion Funds. What choice? You can find all that in the description of the video. So before we start, let me see who's on the chat. Of course, she's here, our friend Mo. What's up, Mo? Thanks for joining us today. We have one new questions at the end. We'll, we'll answer your question. It's a great one. I have to think about it. I'm still not sure about my answer. And our friend Nick Prudent, he's in the house. Thanks for joining us again this week, Nick. And then he's also adding that in 20 years, there will be kids from whom Star Wars is stroke one and under. That's very true. And true. oh man, that's going to be something in 20 years. Who knows where Star Wars is at that point? And someone <laughs> said, my first Star Wars when I was Cassian Andor again. Cutting that net by those weird aliens. Oh, yeah, Freddy. <laughs> Man, they were great. They really were. <laughs> All right. So if you guys are ready, I'm not ready. Let's talk Star Wars and the Andor Files. I've been in this fight since I was six years old. Hassie. 
I mean, has he? I, he he definitely has. That's his story. You know the the whole like growing up in this kind of separatist war world, mm -hmm. right? But but has he? Because he wasn't five in the first couple episodes when they showed us him in that weird planet that I always forget the name. Yeah, I forgot already. Um, uh, he was like yeah. twelve, right, or something. Like yeah, that? at least. I mean, I, I would say at the youngest ten, maybe. Yeah, I but get like it. that's that's very young still, like, but not five. Come on. Yeah, I mean six. But I was talking to I think it was Andres from sixty minutes, and he said, well, maybe he wasn't in the rebellion or that type of fight, but the empire or the republic at that point, I don't know, time gaps in my mind. They took over his planet, they were mining it. So in a sense, he's been part of this change in the in the republic and the galaxy. So we'll give it to him. Yeah. But all right. So before we start kind of diving into the episode, Tony, can you just give us a little bit, just your overall so far coming into the series? Were you excited for it when it was announced? And then how much have you been enjoying it or not enjoying it? And then we'll jump into this 11th episode. Sure. I mean, when it when it was first announced, I was uh, I mean, I am still uh, a pretty big Rogue One fan. Mm -hmm. I, I really enjoyed the film and I think it was a just a different way of storytelling in the Star sure. Wars world. Um, so I was very excited, but but the real thing that I was mostly excited about was just more Diego Luna. I <laughs> I love when my Latin compatriots can just rise up in these huge franchise mm -hmm. worlds that are mostly dominated by these white American actors. Um, so it, it's mm -hmm. always just good to know that these people get the chance to tell their story too. Um, so that really got me excited. And then the Tony Gilroy element, I honestly was was very excited. I I come from a film background. I studied filmmaking and I Tony Gilroy has been somebody that I have followed in the past. His his writing, his screenwriting, his storytelling. Mm -hmm. And it was a bold choice. It's it's somebody very different to take on this world. So that really had me excited. I was a bit hesitant at the beginning, but it it caught me fairly on those that first episode in particular mm. just really like just grabbed me and I've been riding the Andor wave ever since <laughs> on a, on a pretty high. There have been some episodes that have had some issues, have had lows, but overall, I'm very excited about the series. I am a, a big fan right now, and I can't wait to finish this story that they're trying to tell us. Yeah, I love how open Tony Gilroy is about everything. We've mm -hmm. kind of been accustomed now to Star Wars director, writers, anyone that works in Star Wars, not saying anything, even after the movies comes out or the series, they don't talk too much about any behind the scenes. He's just mm -hmm. out there. Yeah. He recently was out how much he had to change Rogue One, all the changes behind it. We know a lot already about season two of Andor because he doesn't show up. And we love it because it's mm -hmm. finally, they're just giving us more, more stuff to, to kind of jump into and dig in. And it's been great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Nick also added that maybe Andor lost his parents when he was six and has been fighting ever since. That's a possibility. That's a possibility, yeah. Yeah. All right. And so, we still don't know anything about the sister. So do you think that sister will come back into play? I I mean, I don't know if you have been listening to me and all these um Andor episodes, but I have a theory oh, about yes, his yes, sister yeah. that it's uh Dedra, Deidre could be Andor's sister. Oh that come was on taken in by oh. the empire and i don't know it's it's 
it works out, man. I like those sort of things <laughs> that, you know, the and Oti and I talk about it all the time. The idea that, you know, this enemy that you've been looking mm -hmm. for and fighting for this whole time is like right in front of you um, or like has been next to you this whole time. Um, are we, we going to jump into Halbrand and Galadriel in Rings I, of we, Powers? We can. <laughs> I mean, I know you, you, I know you been into it so uh yeah i mean it, it's that whole thing it's the idea that what you've been looking for this whole time it's closer to home than you think and i don't know i, I told Oti, it's not i don't think it would happen or it's just one of those things that the very first moment that we start seeing these characters mm -hmm. it's the first thing that comes to my mind yeah. it's like the little grain of doubt that's just being like "Ooh, could this be happening which <laughs> about today's episode i also have something yeah. All right. Well, well, I don't know. I mean, I really hope that we get some follow up with his sister because that was so in, uh, important to his character, especially early on, and kind of took the story that way that it went when those cops just kind of went in to confront him. And that's how Zero was able to find out who Cassian was because there was this mention of the planet. So it'll be interesting to see. Is it? See, um, Deidre, I don't know. I love Deidre. Just give me more. Oh, Moe's adding. Maybe Clea. Asuka. All right. Are you hearing me? Yep. All right. My microphone died. I knew I had to charge it, and I just waited. Anyway, so can Clea be Cassian's sister? Is a possibility. I mean, she doesn't know who he is who he is because he wanted to kill him a few episodes ago. So hopefully. <laughs> and again, it, it's, it, there's always the possibility in this star Wars world, but it, it's all about how they tell us the yeah. story, right? They haven't had any interaction yet and they haven't had any connection. So possibilities are a bit slim, but it, it could always be, could always be. It was, it's one thing is these writers, and directors haven't let us down so far. So whatever direction they want to take it, I trust them. Because mm -hmm. every choice they made so far has paid off. So hopefully it comes back. Didra, Clea, anyone Whoever else? It is. Cinta. We'll see. We'll find out. All right. Cinta Mon Mothma? I'm Whoa. just kidding. Oh, it wouldn't. Dude, it's well between worlds. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's jump into episode 11. We're just one episode away from season one finale, but this one was basically everyone experiencing some sort of loss or remorse over their actions, the consequence of, consequences of their action. We have, of course, Cassian having to deal with the loss of his mother, and then we have with Mon Mothma having to deal with her actions and how everything's falling down her daughter also now more even more alienated because she's into all these weird traditions that they have from chandrila and even at some point even so, uh, not so about luthan when he's talking to saw and so kind of asking hey do you do you agree with your actions or something like that and luthan said at the beginning yes now i'm having second thoughts so right now not so much of giving krieger up and we're going to talk a lot about that so I love those stuff going on and traditions, history, what they do with the dead in Ferrix and then all the traditions in Chandrila. So a very, even though it didn't seem to be a very you know, deep episode, there were a lot of deep kind of themes going on. 
Yep. So just overall your thoughts on this episode, and then we'll jump into Cassian and and Melchick kind of leaving Narkina 5. I mean, overall, this episode, I think, was a, a great um, just wrap-up of some of the stories that led us off from the last episode, mm -hmm. but also the, the push for the finale, right? It's leaving us with these um, unresolved issues and unresolved situations that are going to take us to the to the end of the story and end of the finale, you know, and the way things are looking, you know, like all roads are, are leading to Ferrix right now. Yeah. And, and it's, it's about what's going to happen there and, and how is it all going to end up? And I think it was a pretty powerful episode overall. Mm -hmm. Like you said, a lot of lore, a lot of um, character moments, a lot of character development overall, and also just, bringing all of these stories together i think we finally have the tie-in of of all of these stories into mm -hmm. one thing maybe mon mothma still a little bit separated from the andor situation of it all but everybody else like luthan knows that andor is is uh, a snake in his shoe at the moment <laughs> and you know val and Sintar are still on the hunt and you know um we have the the whole Cyril Carnes situation of it all, Deidre situation of it all. Like we're finally bringing it all together. So I liked it. I was really into it, and I think it was just a a great. I'm not gonna say filler, but a great episode to lead us into the finale. It's too tied into everything that you mm -hmm. can't just like separate it into one thing. Yeah, I wouldn't call this a filler. Like you said, right now I have it somewhere on my notes. It's everyone's moving their pieces to go into Ferrix for this funeral to try and trap Andor being mm -hmm. um, Deidre with the ISB, um, Cyril with the other guy that have their own plans, and Sintan Bell over there watching. So mm -hmm. everyone's just waiting for Andor to come now and just spring that trap. Except, like you said, Mon Mothman is the only one that has nothing to do with Andor. And that's fine. She doesn't need to be worrying about him or know yeah. who he even is at this point. Yeah. Season 2, we'll deal with that on Season 2. Yeah. But I love that it's... Oh, before we go, we go on. Let me say hi to our friend, Roberto Venegas. How are you doing, Roberto? Thanks for joining us today. And yes. Hola, Roberto. Yeah. We're all having a good good Star Wars Saturday here. Hope, yes. hope having the same thing about a good, good Saturday. Um, so I love that this episode starts with Cassian and Melshi still on the run from leaving the Narkina 5 prison. I love that Cassian was still playing that part of trying to keep Melshi's mind away from the pain of his hand. Just repeating the same thing. Oh, I think they're leaving. I think they're leaving. And he's like, hey, don't say that. Don't say that. But then I can feel my hands. And then when Melshi goes back, tell me that they're doing like, Oh, man. So so visceral and emotional and yeah. the way that they're and and obviously we know that we have to end with a Cassian that is a leader and is mm -hmm. a person who can lead a, a team of people who necessarily don't know what's happening or don't know what's going on. But he's he wasn't that yet, but he's mm -hmm. becoming that now. And obviously the Nar Narkina 5 prison break is, is a key moment in Andor's um, like like elevation to this character and just the way they show us the way they shot the hands the feet the <laughs> yeah. rocks you know the, the way the airship is flying down just all these little pieces coming together to really evoke an emotion in us and you know i was just like like glued to the tv like the minute that it started i was just like 
are they going to get caught now? Like, what's happening? Like, I know they survive, but do they get yeah. caught now and then they come back out? Like, what's happening? Um, but yes, the way that they tell us this, like, show us what's happening, it's such an amazing opening to this episode. Yeah, and it was great. And even though we know what's going to happen, at least leading, leading to Rogue One, you feel bad for the characters. Poor Melshi, that's yeah. he was down and out I, at the prison. He's like, we're never getting out. They don't even think about it. We're all going to die. And then he's just trying to get up that hill. Ah, I don't know if I can climb back up. He said, just get there. It's like five feet away. You can do it. Mm -hmm. But yes, unfortunately, they did get caught, even if it was for about two minutes. <laughs> They're trying. They see two, two aliens at the bottom of this ridge with one of my favorite ships. Not really, but just a mention of it. The quad jumper that we only yep. know from, from Force Awakens, mainly because of the trailers in it blown up. But those Narkinian aliens, I love my aliens. Andrew has been doing a good job with the weird species that we're getting. And then they'll spring that travel. Like, look, look at these two jerk offs trying to steal our ship and how easy they got caught. And then the whole thing oh, we're going to kill you, or there's a bounty for anyone that's trying to escape. But the Empire is messing up their water supply, has poisoned everything. We're not going to give them anything else, so we'll let you go. So that scene where you not afraid, but kind of, oh, really? They just got out and they got caught again? Well, I, I, I was definitely, you know, caught unaware by the situation and, and wasn't really sure where we were going with it. Yeah. But I love that it all ended in, in the Star Wars of it all. The, <laughs> the hopeful element of all of these people coming together to fight the one thing, right? And and understanding that regardless of the cultural differences and the multi, you know, levels that all of these worlds have and, you know, whether you're outer rim, inner rim, core mm -hmm. worlds, whatever it is, everybody's fighting the same villain. Yeah. And I love that even though the, the Narkinians were clearly just messing around with them. They, <laughs> yeah. they just wanted to like be like, ha, we're gonna bring you to the police. But like, <laughs> you know, at the end they're they're not gonna do it. Mm -hmm. But they do understand that the villain is the Empire and that they're the people who are ultimately responsible for everything that's happening. And these two guys have really nothing to do with it. So let's just help them out. Let's take them to where they need to go. And I, I honestly thought that was an amazing scene. Yeah, like Nick is, and they were they were messing with the squiggles on our water, right? I just I love the design. I love the voice of those aliens. And like you say, it's like yeah, whatever. We'll just help you get away. Do you want to go? I was very surprised that Anders said, "Let's go back to Niamos." It's like what you got big private parts to say. Let's go back to a place that. They caught me, arrested me, yeah. and sent me away. Let's go back over there. It is. So, I mean, they, they did show us the whole box thing on the other episode, yeah. which I forgot about. So it's it's mm -hmm. kind of good that they kind of tied it into this episode. Because yeah. I was like, I same as you. I was like, why does he want to go back? Like, what's the point? Um, but I also like how they presented Niamos now. I love mm -hmm. how when we saw it the first time, it was like, you know, Space Florida yeah. is what um, Oti called it. And it was mm -hmm. like, you know, check out this party thing. But now completely empty. Nobody's there. Nobody's mm -hmm. obviously the Empire did what they wanted to do there and take away the, the whole criminal element, mm -hmm. even though they clearly weren't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's 
why would you go back to a place where you literally just got caught and got, you know, <laughs> taken away? But yeah. it, it gives for great cinematography. I mean, that last shot with Melshi and and oh. Andor is just so beautifully shot. And, and it, it, you know, it gives you those Rogue One vibes, you know, mm -hmm. them at the beach, what's going to yeah. happen. Yeah, when Niamos, the first time we saw Niamos, everyone, oh no, Cassian's again on a on a beach planet. It's not gonna yeah. end well. So very surprised that they went back. Same as you, I forgot all about the box. And even though it didn't play a huge part on this episode, I love that we also got to see that uh, Nemic's manifesto is still yes. there, yeah. which I had after he was caught. I'm like, okay, well, the manifesto has nothing to play in his in his story going forward. But then going back, getting the box and opening it to see how the manifesto was was there was a great move. And you know it's gonna come back to play later on. I don't know if doubt there will be the finale, maybe season two, but who knows? But yes, well, let's but let's focus to Andor's character, right? Yeah. It's like he's clearly like the time that he was in Niam was before he was listening to it. He there was something mm -hmm. that he kept with him, and yeah. he was starting to understand. Maybe when Nemec gave it to him, he was still like. Okay, maybe this isn't, you know, but now he knows like mm -hmm. this yeah, is his, this is his um bible now. This is what he's going to learn and to do and how to change and understand what evil really is. Yeah, because at first when they asked him, "Oh, I'm just here for the money." They yeah. I got paid to do a job, I'm getting my cut and then out of here not about the cost, but now that he's gone through the system, unfortunately, it's like, "Oh, no, I got to do something more about it." But yeah, that ending, before we talk about Melch and him kind of separating at the end, so Andor, Cassian, he calls back to home, back to Ferrix. Hey, tell Marva I'm doing my stuff. She'll be proud of me. Tell her I love her. I'll be there as soon as I can. And then just learning that her mom had passed. Mm -hmm. It's a shock. She's been a month and a half or something in jail, finally got out, wants to tell her mom that he's doing fine, hasn't heard from her, from him in so long, she's probably worried. I wasn't there when she died. How is this going to affect now him going forward and maybe joining the rebellion or doing something else? Do you think her the way that she died, because when Otto was here last week, he was saying, oh, she's going down on a blaze of glory. She's going to mm -hmm. go against the empire. They're going to kill her. And that's probably how Cassian joins the fight. I was, oh, I hope she doesn't die that way. Mm -hmm. I thought that she was going to die on natural causes, but that Cassian was able to speak with her one more time and then she kind of breached that out of him. But do you think now her dying in, at the hands of the Empire, not dying at her hands, but he not being able to be there mm -hmm. because of what the Empire did to him is what pushes him now to join this rebellion? So, I mean, are you ready for my curveball? Because this is. Throw it. And I told Oti, I was like, could Marva's death be a rebel ploy to get the Empire to come back to Ferex and them just, you know, get rid of them all? And, you know, not to say that I didn't like the whole Marva death sequence and learning mm -hmm. about the daughters of Ferex and the, the friend of Cassian, who I always mm -hmm. forget his name. I don't Not Tim Br is what Oti calls him. Brasso. Um, but, you know, B2Emo also, like, all that he's going through. But could this, could Marva's death really just be a rebel ploy to get all these elements that we know are looking mm -hmm. into the the 
uh, rebel situation in Ferrix, we know they're kind of organized, not extremely organized, mm -hmm. but they have some sort of um, communication system throughout. You know, we saw it in the episodes when when they were coming to get them. Um, and it, it, it's interesting, you know, it all happens out of the blue. I mean, we know Marva has issues. It, it's mm -hmm. been stated from episode one. So we know it's a situation, but I, I don't know. It it could be all roads lead to Ferrick. So we yeah. know a, a massive situation is going to happen. I'm not saying that now, you know, Marva's just going <laughs> to kick open a door with a laser gun and just <laughs> to, 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 to start killing everybody. But it, it could be. That being said, I do feel that that is the key moment that Andor understands how much he has to lose. He mm -hmm. he kind of, you know, he comes back to get Marva. He wants her to come with him. But when Marva let, tells him, you know, I'm too old, I'm, I'm you know, I'm too frail, yeah. just go, you do your thing, you know, we'll meet back together. She kind of lets him up with the seed of, you know, understand the bigger fight. Mm -hmm. um, and losing Marva is just, I, I feel the moment that Ender can be like, wow, I just literally lost all that I had, you know, what else do I have to live for if not the battle for the Empire, yeah. right? Um, and knowing that Marva as well was fighting the Empire, she she was completely against it. So was Clem. Clem died doing that, you know, his, his only father figure that we know of up mm -hmm. to this moment. Um, so, I mean, I, I do think that in terms of storytelling and what they're doing for us, it's just a, another step up, you know, the way they presented it to us, the whole B2 emo element of it all, I feel was just spot on. Yeah. Poor B2. We'll get to him in a minute. <clears throat> so also, as I was watching the episode, I thought her death was a fake out. I didn't think that she was really dead. We don't see the body at any point. Uh, we saw something wrapped, a body, or at least something with the shape of a body was wrapped and kind of caught it off. So I was, oh, this is a fake. Something's going to happen. And there's going to have this uh, firefight right there on the streets of Ferrix. Maybe it's a way to get to that tunnel that she mentioned before. But I don't know. I, by the end of it, I'm like, oh, maybe she did die. I don't know how much the people there on Ferrix knows that the ISB and everyone else is kind of watching their house. To it to kind of be a, a rebel ploy to get all the imperials out there. Yeah. But I'm I'll say I'm like 80 20, in, oh, 85 20, 15, 85 15. If Marva's really there, is this is a fake out. But yeah, when Andrew calls and they tell him, oh, your mother died, that's when I, oh, they can now come back with it. But I don't know. I, I feel like that's the moment too. It's like, would they tell Andor? And mm -hmm. why would they want Andor to come back to Ferrix, yeah. even if they're going to make this whole firefight thing and, and get the Empire out of Ferrix? Mm -hmm. Why would they want him to, to come back? Because there's e even the guy telling him that it's happening. He's like, you know, he's kind of being like, stay away. But mm -hmm. your mom's dead. Like, they know yeah. he's going to come. Well, it's, it's in Andor's um, kind of almost selfishness, too, right? That he... Mm -hmm only cares about himself but that's an extension of himself right the people he cares about his friends as well we know he cares about bix very very yeah. much he we know he cares about um was it ba bosco the, the other friend uh, as well 
Brassos. Brasso. Brassos. Like he he cares about his friends. It's not that he doesn't care about them. He he has a um he has this internal kind of like moral guide to him. But that's that's kind of where it ends right now. And now he's starting to add people to that, right? Melshi, the people in the prison. Uh, obviously, what he went through with Kino and the people in the prison has changed him. So if he comes back to Ferex, he's not the same Andor that left Ferex. So no. he's he's going to join this fight to to help the people that he knows are involved in it. He's he's always been kind of separated to it. Mm -hmm. He knows that Bix and these people are like kind of doing their their thing on the yeah. side, but he's his own man. He's he's a mercenary in his own right. Now he's starting to delve into the teamwork of it all. <laughs> so, you know, it it just it that is the moment when you're like is the ploy fake or not? <laughs> you know, why would you tell him that? So I mm -hmm. I'm still like 75, 25 maybe, but we'll see. Yeah. And I think also once he learns what they've been doing to Bix, because Bix is still being tortured. I mm -hmm. think that's going to be another. And we'll, I just want to say one more thing about Niamos, I guess, before we jump then to Marvel's test and everything happening on Ferrix. Because you mentioned this, that moment with Melshi. And Melshi, again, he a couple of days ago, he thought he was going to die in this prison. I was like, we need to let people know what's going on out there. Nobody knows what really is happening. We need to let the people know. I love that scene. I love the way that it was acted. And again, it gives that relationship that they have that five years from now, they'll be, again, on that beach on Scarif laying down their lives, fighting for this, this cause. Yep. So I just love that scene that Melshi was not just, yeah, we saw him in one episode and then he'll be back in Rogue One. He has an important part to play in all this. So I just love that. Mm -hmm. And then I, uh, Mo I'm with of, you because, oh, Diego's, yeah, I mean, it is. Yeah, exactly. And you can see him kind of change from that moment when he he's like, oh, we're going to die here. We're not going to get out of here. Mm -hmm. We're, we're going to kind of end up in this prison too. We have to let people know what's happening here. It also parallels or like or, or or actually flips the coin to what they were saying in prison who's listening is mm -hmm. anybody listening yeah. nobody is listening and now they need to tell the 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 story or or need to like get this voice out there so people can listen and um i love that that's a an element through and through in star wars it's it's getting the message out mm -hmm. um you know and and it's the biggest thing at the end of of last jedi right it's like the message doesn't reach the people that it needs to reach but then we come to rise of skywalker and the message does mm -hmm. that's something that we see in rebels as well it's like can we get the message out you know we 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 see it in um god what's the the planet that ezra is from uh um, Lothal, like we see it in Lothal. It's like we need mm -hmm. to let people know what's happening here. We need to get the, the message out. And that's what gets people to come in. So I love that we end in that note of Melshi just mm -hmm. being like, hey, I, I know that I wasn't with you a little bit ago, but now we really need yeah. to we really need to move forward and get people to come to our side. Yeah, Oti always says that he picks little moments in each episode to kind of highlight. And I think that for me, 
will use that as that little moment that might go unperceived by a lot of people. I had a lot of meaning behind it. Mm -hmm. Everything over here is that my microphone died. One of my lights died. So I'm sorry out there. It's just me right now. You don't see anything else. <laughs> um, but we'll just keep going then with Marva's death and everything happening on Ferrix. We already talked about her passing. Um, Brazos there kind of taking over. There's no one else kind of to help Marva. Fer I mean, Bix is locked up. Andor is gone. So Brazos has taken over as doing all the arrangement with the help of the daughters of Ferrix. But the episode starting with poor B2 Emo. A droid against Star Wars, they do droids so great, but it's, it's not something I can, it's just a droid, so they don't have feelings. In Star Wars, you know all the droids are feeling, but the way it was shot, like you said at the beginning, the way they shoot certain scenes, that it looked like he was crying, was just the shot of that glass on top of him. It looks like the poor droid was crying, doesn't want to be alone, doesn't want to leave his house, because it's the only place that he knows. It was just heartbreaking to see a droid go through that. In Star Wars, because Star Wars, it's for kids. It's this fantasy, sci-fi, haha. We all have fun with it. Droids are always the things that make us laugh. But now seeing one go through all these emotions was pretty heartbreaking, different, but just done in a great way that this is just a kid losing a parent also. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I always try to take it back to one of our very first droids, and that's C-3PO. C-3PO, for the longest time, was this comedic element to, to the film. He was just mm -hmm. there, really, to make us laugh. Yeah. And then we end nine movies later with him literally having to sacrifice everything he's ever had to know to save the people that he cares about. Mm -hmm. he, he doesn't just... He doesn't just want them to succeed because he's their droid and, and he's he, he wants them to succeed because he cares about the things that they care about. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we see that through and through with all of the droids in Star Wars or most of them. Um, you know, R2-D2 has always been like that that key element in a lot of characters. And in recent Star Wars, we'd have some of the best, you know, we've had. Uh, Lola in in Obi Wan. Oh, yeah. We had Dio in um, Rise of Skywalker. We had uh, you know BB-8 in Force Awakens. All these droids that just like really elevate what mm -hmm. it means to be a a non humanoid character in Star yeah. Wars. I feel like they're the most humans. Sometimes <laughs> they 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 actually are the element of humans. They they bring a a realism to what we're doing, an emotional element that other characters can't, and B2 just really sells that in that scene. The POV that they show yeah. us of him, just how he's talking and reacting to all that's happening, how he doesn't want to leave Marva's <laughs> side or the home. It's just, it really tugs at the heartstrings in a way that sometimes even the, the human characters don't do it. Yeah, even at the beginning when Brazos is, oh, we got to go, we're moving him. He's like, oh, I'll wait here just in case she comes back or something like that. And that's also, like, oh, is, are they faking it? But it's we've been through that as younger kids. So at any point, losing someone close to you, losing a parent, those first few days, you still think they might come back or you try to call their name because you forgot. It's just this habit. But yeah, you mentioned Dio. And if you read Shadow of the Sith, that we get a lot with Dio and freaking guy with the knife. I always forget uh, Oshi. Oshi with Oshi, and we see how much Oshi just 
treated that how bad he treated Dio and just showing that Dio felt everything and kind of, yeah, these droids have feelings out there. Mm -hmm. uh, so we talked a little bit about Bix still being tortured by the Empire. They show her a hologram of Krieger trying to get her to say this is the person that she introduced Andor to. We don't get her answer. Do you think she might lie through it or? Well, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong because I, I really don't remember, but do we see her interact with Luthen at any moment in those episodes when she calls him in? Yes. So when okay. Luthen gets there, they meet for about a minute. Okay. So street. she knows who Luthen is. Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah, then, they... I mean, again, she's so mentally in a whole other space that I feel like she could maybe say yes, just because she's she still doesn't know. I mm. love that that first introduction is just her still like almost hallucinating what has mm -hmm. been happening to her. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I don't know. I feel like the this whole like Anton Krieger situation feels almost like like how does this all tie in? Like how mm -hmm. are we gonna bring it all to home with it? Um, it's almost like let's just add a random character here. But we know it's not a random character because mm -hmm. something will happen with it. I do feel like Bix is just in in not the best headspace, so she probably might not say the right answer mm -hmm. because of that. Just because she knows Luthen doesn't mean that she's gonna now remember him after this yeah. whole situation. Yeah, I Anton Krieger to me that was a throwaway name on that episode where I was mentioned. Who's Anton Krieger? I look, I went through Wikipedia and all these places. We never heard this name. Okay, whatever, it's just a name. And now it looks seems to be an important character, at least name-wise, moving mm -hmm. forward. Uh, yeah, I don't know where Bix is going to fall on this. She might say yes, she might say no. She's so messed up that she doesn't even know what's going on. Uh, I just want to highlight this comment real quick from Nick and just finish up the droid talk. Uh, saying that George Lucas based that droids on two comic characters in Akira Kurosawa's Hidden Fortress. And in that film, those characters are comedic first, but face tragic and death uh i mean become tragic and face death which a lot of droids even pussy tripper like you said twice he's had his memory erased poor droid it's a problem being a protocol droid yeah. um so yeah we said cintas there looking at the house i forget the name of the isp agent also working that tavern or whatever looking at the house oh mm -hmm. plain dumb what happened is that an important person do you know her and she's like i just been here a few days yeah uh, but I love that. Again, it comes to everyone's preparing their little traps or setting up, moving their pieces, hoping for Andor to come back. Like we said, uh, the ISB guy with Deidre. Cyril Khan gets this call from Monk, I think it's Monk? Musk. So from Musk, from this smelter. Ah, we got him. I think, yes, yeah, sir. Uh, I love that. Her uh Cyril's mom for the first time is all messed up she didn't have time to yeah. get dressed uh so I just love all that scene but yeah it's like a lot of people have been saying it all it's going back to Ferrix back to Ferrix so I can't wait for the finale uh there's a few shots from the trailer that we haven't seen yet and everything's on Ferrix so it's gonna be really interesting to see what happens in this finale but just anything else from Ferrix before we move on to Luthen and so um, no, I mean, again, I just think it's how these characters are going to deal with this situation. We, we do know, and, and this is going 
based on that that uh, Marva did die and that whole thing is real, mm-hmm. th- <laughs> there is an element of a wake and a funeral and the lore behind what the people of Ferex are doing. So I do love that, you know, regardless of how these people are kind of, um, you could almost say they're like bits and pieces of the universe coming mm-hmm. together in this planet of refugees almost. There are they are a community and they are yeah. a people who care about each other and you know n- there are no differences there are no social classes or or anything like that it's all about just coming together a- as a community which I feel like it's something very important leading to this finale so mm-hmm. I just can't wait to see that just just come to fruition right. Yeah, and that's a great lead up to this comment from Mo because yeah, that Ferric is a community. No one's gonna turn on anyone except for Tim. Well, he's gone now. Goddamn Tim. <laughs> Tim, everything could have been safe if you weren't there. But Mo is he talking about Edie being a chismosa. So <laughs> Zero Counts Mo just being that tattletale is probably so yeah, you're right. And then I don't know. I don't know, Nick. Nick has a question. How come Luther worries about Cassian having seen his face but not worried about Bix? I don't know. I gotta think back if it's something maybe he said on their way to to the planet when Luther took Saw. I mean, I mean Luther took Cassian, but I don't know. That's a good question. I'm not sure. I think if anything, it is kind of stated that Bix has had past dealings with Luthen and she has had business with him in the past. Whereas this is Cassian's very first, you know, interaction. So mm-hmm. maybe Luthen kind of has already taken a read on Bix and knows that Bix does care about the cause, so she would never betray it. Whereas Cassian, Cassian is a loaded gun at this moment. Yeah. Like, you know, the, the moment that uh, you can see it from that first interaction with them, with the Starpath engine and, you know, um, the Empire, like, or the, the Corpos coming to get mm. them, like, it, he doesn't know how uh, Cassian is going to react or how he's going to take this whole, oh, you can join something bigger than yourself. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Cassian to, to Luthen is still, uh, you know, almost like a wild card. Uh, and Bix, yes, Bix, you know, does know who he is, but Bix clearly has a, a bigger in on the cause than Cassian, or yeah. at least that's what they're they have been showing us. Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully, we'll get explained. I'm very interested to see that kind of reunion between Cassian and Luthen. I have no idea how it's gonna go. I'm very interested to see how it's gonna go, especially with. Sinta and Bell on this yeah. mission to kill him. Are they going to try to play on it? Are they going to pull back? Is Luthen going to show up on Ferris? Which I don't think so. I will leave that. I'll ask you as before we end the show. Um, but let's talk a little bit about Luthen, so and all that interaction. It kind of starts with with Bell visiting Cleia on Coruscant. Hey. I have information. Where is he? He's not here. Blah blah blah. He has inf- and lets her know about Marva's death, and it's very pointed that she wants Clea to let Luther know that this information came from her. I don't know why, but maybe Clea is taking too much uh, ownership of information that's being brought up, kind of coming from her when it's coming from someone else. 
Uh, but I love that scene when Vel kind of tells him, oh, I've been doing a lot for him lately. What have you done? And she's like, I don't do daily. I, I mean, I don't do frequently. I, I, what, I, I don't have lately. I have always. Like, I'm always here with him. I do this. I keep him calm. I, it's like I'm the one to put in day in and day out with him. So I love that little scene. Yeah. And also shows, like Clea told Vel, everything you're doing now is wrong. At first, she doesn't mention um, Luther by name when she visits Mon Mothma two episodes ago. And Mon Mothma asks, oh, what has he have you been doing? And she's like, we don't say his name or who are you talking about? Something like that. And now she's just saying Luther, Luther all the way. So it's, yeah, everyone's kind of losing their temper a little bit. Mm -hmm. So that little scene was great. Yeah, a lot of emotions. And I mm -hmm. feel like it's also kind of, tying it in a little to the to the last one with Lonnie right it's like how Lonnie asked Luthen like like what have you sacrificed and Luthen is just like listen <laughs> listen here <laughs> you know um so you know Clea's just Clea's playing the long game Clea understands what's happening Vel uh, at this moment is is still like a hired gun and like just uh not you know she cares about the cost but she plays more the role of the mercenary than the the actual rebel. Um, so it'll be interesting. I think emotions are going to be very high leading mm -hmm. to the next episode, which could be the downfall of the Vel and Sinta situation because that's another reunion that I'm crazy to see, just mm -hmm. how Vel, Sinta, and Cassian just find each other again. Mm -hmm. um, Vel basically having, you know, almost been like, get get out of my life you know after and or you know did what he did mm -hmm. um you know and you know good to him he he did what he had to do yeah but yeah um nick is saying they'll they'll start off again she just wants to go and join cinta her, her girlfriend she needs her uh yeah, but yeah course. that that relation with that trio is gonna be interesting to see how it plays out and our friend dale is here how are you doing dale don't worry where you were a little bit late you're here now thanks for joining us uh but yeah if we're talking about um meetings and things of that nature it's all luther and so so guerrera i was afraid that just getting him on that one episode was all we're gonna get of him but apparently he had a change of mind called luther hey i'm ready to join anton krieger let him know i'm gonna provide air support but i'm taking everything from that from that is our factory or whatever it was plus i want everything that you promised me and no one's i'm only taking uh the everyone's taking order from me i don't care it's my show now so i love that so it was like okay i'm gonna go kill some imperials that's all i care about but then luther's like eh, actually it's too late for that time has gone isb knows all about krieger they're gonna kill all 30 of them plus krieger plus krieger Lost Krieger, that's I changed the name, the title of this episode today. 30 men plus Krieger, very making it very I forget my words, very important, I guess. That's yeah, not just 30, it's plus Krieger is one of the leaders, I guess, of these different pockets of rebellion. Yeah, of course. But I love because we talked about it here, and you mentioned that speech from Luther and everything he sacrificed. We talked last week about how, yes, he sacrificed a lot, but at least to myself, it seems like a very selfish sacrifice the way that he's been doing it. And we, I think we said that he would sell Saw 
as quickly as Anton Krieger. And I love that. So call him out on it. Oh, you will just do the same thing for me. And of course, Luthen's uh, reaction to that was same thing is, you know me, so I have something to lose if the ISB gets you. Anton Krieger doesn't know me, so to hell with him. Mm-hmm. Again, it's what affects him. But I j- just love the whole scene, especially when Saw so is like, oh, how do you know this? You have either your ISB or you have someone there in the ISB, which means you have someone here, you have someone everywhere. What's going on? And Saw so starting to get paranoid and the way yes. that he was acted and then poor two tubes gets thrown under the bus. It's like, not me, don't kill me. I just love the whole scene. Yes, totally agree. I think it just... It it sells two things. One, the um kind of like guerrilla fighter paranoidism mm-hmm. that Saw yeah. uh, embodies, but also the um strategic analytical side that Luthen embodies as mm-hmm. well. Because he tells him he's like, you know, we can either try to save these men now and lose the fight overall, or yeah. let sacrifice them and play the long game. And right now, it's all about the long game. They can't just take the, you know, the fight to them. And yeah, poor, poor tutus. It's everyone, just, everyone's suffering for tutus. I, I, again, it's I, I, love that little Star Wars thing that you know you can be a little comedic about some things. Mm-hmm. You know, a, a character that I've always loved in Star Wars is Hondo from you yeah. know Clone Wars and stuff, mm-hmm. and just the way that he he would easily do that same. Thing yeah. too, you know, just be like, oh, it's this guy right here. Yeah. Um, but the way he plays it, right, just to grab his gun and you know mm-hmm. make uh saw here, and that's the other thing. Like saw goes like, oh, you're just gonna kill me mm-hmm. right here, and Luther yeah, goes, you're not getting out. You know, I don't, I don't want to kill you. That's not the point of this. The point is that you listen to what I'm mm-hmm. trying to tell you. Is that there's something bigger at play in this situation? There's, it's not just about you and me right now. It's about you, mm-hmm. me, and the however many rebel cells that we have working on through and through yeah. the whole universe. Yeah, and it's a great acted scene. We've said, I don't know, probably every episode, this is the reason you get actors of this caliber to come to Star Wars and play these type of characters because you need that gravitas behind it. Totally. And, yeah, and just it's the way he plays Saw from Rogue One and here is just so great. So I just mm-hmm. love everything about it. <laughs> yeah, poor two tubes just falling into the trap because he says he's so nonchalant these tubes of course it's your man tell him tell him it's like oh it wasn't me it's like dude he's playing yeah you You gotta know this but then they go again into the 30 men plus krieger call it what you want let's call it war Mm -hmm. right because it's for the greater good let's call it war Uh, but then so hopefully we get more so in season two i don't think we'll see him in the finale but hopefully season two yeah. Um, so we get Luthen back on his ship, the phone door, and he's talking to Cleia, and Cleia kind of let him know what's going on. And I love the way that they talk about Saw and Andor as either players or artifacts for their mm-hmm. store. That were, is these players still in play? Yeah, but I have to give too much, or I didn't have a hand to play when talking about Saw. I gave more than I wanted. Is the other players still in play? I love that whole interaction. But then the Empire has to show up. And mm-hmm. we get this Fondor class, whatever, Can 12 class cruiser. And he has to, <laughs> we've seen the trailers. We've been waiting for the the lightsaber. The spinning, <laughs> the spinning laser, spins. whatever <laughs> shit that he does. Yeah. Yes. But I 
I love that scene. If, that, if we're talking about Andor, it doesn't feel like Star Wars. That was Star Wars. That interaction with the with the Imperial agent. Yeah. Uh, the getting the fake codes and then the codes check up. Oh, so we just let him go. No, no, we need the practice, which sounds a lot like police just pulling someone up just to mess with them, even though they weren't breaking a, a rule or something. Yeah. Uh, just to bring some type of political talk to real life, like we always do. But, and I put, I posted on Twitter a few days ago, I've been critical of the Throne books, the last few canon Throne books, because mm -hmm. they seem to be kind of repetitive. And it's not just my style, my style of writing, or that I like reading the way that Timothy Sand writes all the space battles. Too mm -hmm. technical, they go up seven degrees on an incline, and then you're this way because the gravity of the planet takes and I can't. Mm -hmm. But the way that he took out, took out the the dish for the tractor was yeah. very strong. Get them talking, find out how much power they're using on the tractor being shut yeah. off this engine. When I do this, you're going to do that. And then I have these spikes that no one has seen before. It's going to blow off the dish. And then we're just how telling it out of here. Yep. Very, so, very throne-like. And I love every single second of it with the spinny lightsabers. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it just uh, gives another element to the Luthen character. While we that um um re, uh, introduction to him with Andor when he you know has the bombs on the outside and he's like you know you have to work your exit strategy on yeah. your way in you know mm -hmm. he this just keeps to show that Luthen Luthen's a beast like he's clearly had military training Goat. and yeah. he clearly has had um an insight onto like what's what the the world of fighting is and he mm -hmm. does it so well you know i had like like almost boba fett feels to it like <laughs> this guy like nah. knows how to uh, like strategically run through the mission and it's all about you know talking to them you know being like i'm a one man show i'm trying to deal with mm -hmm. the engine i got a problem and then putting the force on the tractor beam to get them to raise it and then getting the thing yeah. like it was it was just so spot on and like you said very very thrown we know yeah. that that's how he thinks and how he mm -hmm. operates so just i i was extremely enthralled by yeah. it i'm i like just to finish a thrown thought i've i've said before that this show the way it's written and everything fits thrown fits the character thrown to show up at some point we know time wise he's with the empire at this point i would love a scene of thrown and luthen just talking trying to man up one each other who's smarter, who knows the exit strategy that you mentioned. It would be a great scene, especially written by this group. Oh, I would just love to see that on season two. Totally. Um, so I, I have a question here from Nick, and I, I have no idea, but he asked, what are my comments? Here we go. Do we think that Saul Guerrero, the character, was loosely based on Che Guevara, famously and rightfully paranoid about the CIA and spies? Could be. I don't know too much of the history, so I cannot say for certain, but... Yeah, I mean, that's something um, Oti and I have spoken to that, you know, at length in, mm -hmm. in our episodes when we've talked about Andor. I do feel like Saw Herrera is very much inspired by not mm -hmm. just Che Guevara, but also Fidel Castro. And sure. the way that both of them um, took on the Cuban Revolution. You know, I my, my father is Cuban, so I, I delved a lot into the history of the revolution and what they've done. And I, I, 
I, I believe wholeheartedly that the character of Saw Gerrera is meant to inspire that element, right, of a rebellion. Mm -hmm. A rebellion can be fought many, many ways. And, you know, while guerrilla fighting and and what could be called the negative elements of the, the guerrilla fighting is what Che Guevara was mostly known for, mm -hmm. um, th there is also the element of what he rightfully did and to help the people retake their country and retake um, their lands and all that stuff. But yes, Saw Guerrera is very much inspired by, by Che Guevara and the way that he acted through and through his whole life, the paranoidism, the way he, he took on war, uh, understanding that the enemy is the enemy, but also the enemy can, can die. The enemy doesn't have to survive the battle, um, which is a lot of what Saw, you know, talks about in, in those Clone Wars episodes, like he just wants to kill the Separatists, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and the Separatists are droids at that point, but at some <laughs> point they become humans with yeah. the Stormtroopers, right? So, yeah, I mean, I, I do think that, that Che Guevara plays a lot of inspiration to what So uh, wants to show on his side of the rebellion, right? And Saw is a character that we know it's 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 a controversial character in the rebellion. Most of the rebellion disagrees with what he does and and mm -hmm. and how he does things, which was a lot of Che Guevara's problem too. Like a lot of the people uh, fighting the fight that he was fighting were like, "Should we go this far? Like, is this really what yeah. we should be doing?" Yeah, it's like you said. There's different ways that the rebellion is fighting, same as in real life. And now we see Saw, Luthen mainly saw game very action-wise and upfront with it. Then you get the other side with his Mon Mothma and the senators being more the political side. So let's finish up talking about Mon Mothma and what she's going through now. Because mm -hmm. she's at a point now, the consequences of her actions are creeping up and she's starting to believe that she might have made a mistake. A lot of things are up on the air that she can't control, starting with her daughter, which yeah. at first was this teenager rebelling against her mom because she wasn't there for her, too busy with work. Mm -hmm. But now some of her worst fears are coming, th coming through that her daughter is very into, very traditional to the way that Chandrillians, to Chandrillian customs. Mm -hmm. And especially these early betrothals and marriage proposals very early on her life. Belle gets there and see her chanting with her friends. It's like, why are you having her do this? In your position and here on Cruise, and you need don't need to push her to this. It's, like, it's not me. Even parent doesn't want this, but she's into it. And then she just lets Belle know everything that's been going on, gives her all the financial troubles, everything going with the banks that Luther told her not to bring a new player in, but she had to bring someone and she um, Bell knew it was going to be Tay Colma. Do you trust him? And it's not enough. She just belts out everything that's going with her. It's like at this point, Mon Mothma, it's at the lowest level we've seen her so far. Heartbreaking. It was glassy eyes all over for her on that scene. All those five or 10 minutes, she had tears on her eye, which was another great scene. Yeah, and I think it, it goes to show how very well these characters are written and how they're progressing and what they're doing. Yeah. Because, you know, you can you can very much akin it to um, a, a lot of, like, 
the criminal underworld and how they mm-hmm. feel and what they do because they feel like what they do might be right or whatever. But then when it gets into their real life and it affects consequences that affect yeah. their real life, that's when they start to really think about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not saying that Mon Mothma is a criminal, but in the world that we are living in the universe, she is. What she's doing is not right. She's against the empire and she's doing all this stuff that's wrong. And now it's affecting her real life, her family, the people mm-hmm. that she she does care about. You know, Perrin is Perrin. We might not like him, but she clearly feels something mm-hmm. for him. So she does care about him. And we know she cares about her daughter. So it's very interesting that now that everything's affecting her real life, she's starting to go back and be like, is what I'm doing right? Is this the right uh, a way to fight this fight, you know, the the same way that Saw fights his mm-hmm. fight, Mon Mothma's fighting her own fight. Um, but yes, the the scene, the way it was acted, the way it was written, how Vel kind of just talks to her and how she just lets everything out on the table. Um, and, and also the little moments, like I really did love that scene when the daughter comes out of the, the classroom <laughs> and, you know, goes to say hi to Vel and then just like gives these like very dark like this like stank eyes to Mon Mothma like you know (laughs) like I I hate your guts but it's like but you're accepting all of this proposal stuff you know it's it's very weird I I really don't know where we're leading towards this and I'm intrigued because I I want to see the moment that Mon Mothma loses her family and when I say lose I don't mean that they're gonna die or anything it's just Mm -hmm. She has not that she has to, but she maybe should. Pairing. Yeah, maybe pairing. He can die. Oh no. uh, yeah, I don't. Really care. <laughs> no, but we've said here, I think, like three or four weeks in a row. Is what's going to be that catalyst that separates Mon Mothma from her family? We've always said, not always, just a few weeks ago, we've been saying this proposal stuff. Is pairing going to be for it or against it? Is that going to cause the rift? But now we see that her daughter Lida Mo. I remember her name, Lida, uh, is into it. Or is she just doing it to get back at Mon Mothma? But if Perrin is okay with it, maybe she wouldn't because Lida and her dad seems to have a good relationship. But maybe I saw someone else post on Twitter that it's some people that grow up one way when their kids come up, they want to go the other way. If you're too religious, I'll go the other way. Or if you're not religious at all, I'm going to those traditional values. So maybe it's one of those stuff. Mm-hmm. And we see it's not just her, she has all her Chandrilan friends are there. But yeah, it's very weird, but very intriguing still to see where that twist is gonna come. When yeah. she loses her family, when she has to decide, is it the family or the rebellion? And when is that gonna happen and how? Because as we said at the beginning, at this point, she knows nothing about Andor, doesn't know what's going on. So this is completely separate from what's going on to other, the other 75% of the players on this on this series. Yeah. So, and this isn't going to be resolved next episode. Next episode, most likely, is going to be almost all on Ferrix. So season two is going to be very interesting to see how it moves on. Yeah. Um. So one last question before we end and go to our... Uh, fan questions. I was going to ask you before about Luthen. Do you think Luthen is going to show up on Ferrix during the finale or he's just going to stay away? I mean, I feel like he should stay away, but the way the character is looking and the way the character is 
you know, feeling about the whole Andor situation, I feel like he's he's going to end up on Ferrix mm-hmm. and and kind of be caught in the middle of a situation that he does not want to be caught in. Yeah, I was when I watched it the first time, I was like, there's no way in hell that he shows up in Ferrix. He has no reason to be there. He has he has Bell, he has Cinta. But when I rewatched it last night, he tells Cleda. Uh, he's too important to lose. The, this buyer, this player mm-hmm. is too important to lose. Someone else might pick him up. So I think he will show up. I was on the other side, but after rewatching, I think he'll be there. Yeah. All right. And that that brings an end to our Andor Files for episode 11, the penultimate episode. One more. Tony, final predictions for the finale. Well, you know, like we said, all roads lead to Ferrix. I think it's going to be one of those, you know, moments of just pure anxiety and, and, <laughs> yeah, and the tension is going to be. Yeah, the tension is just going to be what's going to happen. Are we going to start right on the funeral? Are we going to have these like empire spies waiting mm-hmm. for Andor? How is Andor going to come in? But, you know, I, I just. I feel like what we really need to see is that that moment of Andor becoming yes. a leader. Mm-hmm. And and Ferrix could be that stepping stone that he needs, right? Um, these people, while we know that they have some sort of rebel cell system going on, they're not fairly organized. And I do think that Andor is going to be that like um, kind of like glue that starts to hold mm-hmm. the the Ferrix rebels together, um, and and I just can't wait for that moment when Andor starts to fight the real fight. Yeah, I mean it's gonna be interesting. Again, we've been waiting, and I thought it was gonna happen like in episodes three or four. Oh, he'll be he'll join the fight, and now yeah. we're at the end of the first season. I still don't know if Marva's death is enough to push him. What's happening to Biggs might be another big push. What's going to be that thing, that catalyst again, that kind of pushes him into joining the fight? Mm-hmm. And also, how different is he going to do this to the way that Luthen is doing it? Like you said, maybe he's the glue that brings everything together. The people of Ferrix, we know, like him. Uh, so it's going to be very interesting. But we know Deidre is going over there. She has some uh, death troopers with her that are going to show up. Uh, Cyril Khan, obviously, she's gonna be there. He's gonna be joining Didra going his separate way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Vel and Cinta are gonna be there. We know Andrew, obviously, is gonna show up, and then the people will rally behind him. So it's gonna be a very intense episode. Uh, tensions are gonna be high. So drink your coffee early yes. and be ready for it. Yes, sir. Right, one more episode of Andor. With that, we bring to our uh, to an end our talk on Andor and the Andor files. But it's something we haven't done in a while this year from you guys on our segment, Rebel Thoughts. Well done. You're a rebel now. And of course, it had to be K2. I know Rebel Thoughts little thing there is from Rogue One. But our first question comes from our friend Mo. She's in the chat. Mo at Jean My Stardust. She asks, now that we have most of season one. Would you have been open to five seasons of Andor? It was revealed, I think, before the season started, that the real plan was, I think, five seasons of Andor, and they decided to do two with 
season two covering four years. So season one is one year before Rogue One, and then season two, every three years, is going to be one year leading up to Rogue One. So, Tony, my question to you from Mo, are you okay with two seasons, or would you have preferred five? Um, I mean, I I love a good show that just has more than five or six seasons and you can <laughs> just like binge and just spend a good time with it. But I feel like it, it would have felt way too long and it would have maybe dragged on a little bit more than it should have. Um, now that we've seen season one and know how we're kind of going to tie it up, knowing that season two is a lot of time jumps and a lot of, you know, situations that will happen you know with time in between i think two seasons is, is an okay number you know i feel like three maybe would have been the right choice just to have the time to tell the story but five maybe was maybe a little bit too long for me yeah for me i i don't know it's because i'm getting old or something i love series that are like two or three seasons long that's fine Mando is going on season three. We already know season four is coming, maybe five. I like just finish the show. I need <laughs> I need it to end. Not because it's bad. I love Ma the Mandalorian, but I can't just keep going season after season. I think I'm gonna blame. I'm gonna. I think I'm blaming the Walking Dead. I think after eight or nine seasons of the Walking Dead, I'm like I I gotta stop. Uh, yeah, it's the same thing over and over. I can't do it. And I stopped watching years ago. I think that's when I kind of started dropping about these longer seasons. Uh, so I'm like, two seasons is fine because there are 12 episodes, they're 45 to 50 minutes long. We're getting a lot of story. If it was 30 minutes and it was just six or eight episodes, yeah, give me more. But I think we're getting enough with these 12 episodes that I'm okay with it. If season two comes out and they decide, well, actually, we're going to do season three somehow, I'll probably enjoy it. But two seasons is fine, five seasons. Maybe again, we, are, we haven't had a bad episode so far. You mind five seasons or just a great episode week after week? Might have been something. All right, our second question comes from my friend Brennan at Brennan Mystical. And he asks If you had to have lunch with a Star Wars character, who would it be and why? Tony, you're our guest, so you won't have too, too much to think, but you got to answer quick. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a lot of favorite characters in Star Wars and people who I love, but my one um, through and through is Obi-Wan. I, I love him way too much to pass up a lunch with. Like, I have him tattooed on go. my body. So um, I feel like I would definitely love a lunch with Obi-Wan and just, just talk to him about, hey, how was it being Qui-Gon's Padawan? How was it? <laughs> Uh, living through the the fall of the the Jedi Order and you know uh, all of these things that that Obi Wan went through, it's just yeah. you know an amazing story to tell. <laughs> that's that's a good one. Um, my favorite character I said before is Boba Fett. I don't think I want to have lunch with him. I love Obi Wan also. I think the easy question, kind of the cop out, is saying Dexter Jexter. Let me just go to the to his cantina. That's too easy. I'll right. go back to the High Republic. Give me Geode and the crew of the vessel. I think there'll be a great group, Leox and all those. Let me just hang out with them for a little bit, get from Geo some stories, see how the hell he moves from place to place being a rock. Um, yeah. 
I think that's that's my. I'll go get 250 years before everything to the High Republic and the the vessel crew. Great choice. Great choice. <laughs> All right. So that kind of brings an end to our episode. Let me kind of check some final comments from our our friends on the chat. Nick is kind of adding. I hope Cyril meets Luthan on the box to Ferrix. That's a that's a <laughs> weird box boss, but yeah, that would have been a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Roberto is agreeing five seasons, yes, but whatever the script calls for, because fans will tear it, tear it up apart if it drags that right. But like we said, it's been it's been working. Nick also said two seasons on Cassie and two seasons on Big and two seasons on Marva. There you go. <laughs> I guess in Big Cement Bigs, but all right. And Mo is answering her questions. I would love for it to delve further into characters, Cassie and Melshi, Mon, Luth, and so. I give us mm -hmm. some one-offs on those characters. I would love them. All right. So as we're saying goodbye before Tony, we reach out. We let you kind of say your piece. Thanks to everyone in the chat. Thank you, Mo, Roberto, Nick, Dale. Am I missing anyone else? Everyone that showed up in the chat. Thanks for being here today. You guys are always awesome. Uh, we'll be here next week for hours. Not only our Cassian finale is also our season five finale for radio rebellion it's gonna be a 27th episode this season me talking about long seasons i've been doing this 27 episodes so far uh we're gonna take one week off we'll be back on december 10th with the trivia finale for championship and then we're taking off probably till sometime early to mid january so make sure to be here next week we have maggie love it and also amin joining us but then next week, today, our guest has been the great Tony Figueroa. Thanks for joining us again. Let people know where they can find you out there, anything you're working on right now. Of course, thank you for having me again. Um, you guys can find us at Film Not Included on Instagram and uh, Twitter. You can also check us out at Oti's El Podcast de Star Wars. <laughs> um, I'm a guest star there pretty much frequently, um, you know, you can follow us on Twitter and you have a lot of information there and just check us out. Yeah. Uh, we'll have you back at some point when all this back and then you guys can gang up on me, but we'll <laughs> see how that goes. But Tony, thanks for being here again. Thanks for everyone that was in the chat. Uh, you guys, that's not the music I want. You know what? We're going with my old intro. You can listen to my old intro as I say goodbye. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you guys next week. Next week. Have a great Star Wars Saturday. Stay safe. Be safe. I may the force be with you.